All right, it's another day, it's another dollar. I am here at the Blue Wire Studios. This is HQ for Blue Wire. At the Wynn Hotel, Resort, and Casino. I am very fortunate today to be joined by my daughter, Tatum Milan Winalda. She's sitting in studio with me today, so she gets to see uh, how the madness of a podcast works. Uh, because I've said this on numerous occasions, people will walk by the glass and wave or smile or blow kisses or flip me off or something. But she gets to actually pay witness to that. So these people that are walking by, they can hear me. So I'm the voice of God as they're walking through the casino. And then they're kind of looking around like, where is that voice coming from? And then at some point they figure it out. Guy with the glasses on his head just figured it out. Hey, there he is. Okay, there he goes. Anyway, as I said, this is kind of an impromptu today. And it's going to go in several different directions as far as the conversation goes, because I, I am finally going to address the issues of youth soccer because I'm living it. And I'm going to have some strong opinions today about everything that's wrong with the sport in this country and why we are failing miserably when it comes to, or why we have failed miserably. Let's put it that way. I do think there's a future here. I actually was on the phone with, with, with a high ranking official today with, from uh, MLS talking about MLS Next Pro and the uh, the pathway that exists now for the player. And I'm, you know, I'm completely immer- immersed and, and involved in this because I have my own academy and my academy is, is privately funded. So it's, it's a little different. I'm not asking for money from people. I'm not uh, asking for trainer's fees. I'm not asking for kids to, you know, their, their parents to get their wallet out so we can go to a tournament and go to some faraway place, it doesn't matter where it is, to have some entity which is attached to the tournament that we've involved ourselves in to tell us that we need to pay them a lot of money to stay in the hotel that they're getting a kickback from. The world, the industry that has been created in this country, it's mind boggling. And if you start doing the numbers, you start to realize why so many people are continuing to take advantage of the industry as opposed to take care of what's in the best interest of our kids. And what we are, in essence, doing is injuring our children. We are hurting them more than we are helping them, but we certainly are profiting from their existence. And if you take a, you put a number out there, and I've I've spoken to so many people about this, and everybody recognizes the problem, but nobody's doing anything whatsoever about it. And what I'm about to say is going to be the truth. And it's also a bit of an opinion, but I want you to try and swallow hard on this one. 80 to 85% of the kids who are playing club soccer at the age of 16, 17, and 18 have no business playing soccer at all. Now, if they love the game and they want to do it in a recreational sense, but if they are being driven by the idea that they're going to make it to college and or be a professional someday, that is a sad, sad industry to be a part of. The teams are built for these clubs, the clubs that profit from having, and they brag about it. We got 32 teams. We got 300 teams. And 80% of those kids after the age of us, about 15, have no business even thinking about playing soccer in college and or being a pro. But they're being told on a daily basis that that's why they're forking out the money. If you take it from a different perspective, if you go to the European route, or you even go into the, the realm of what is now happening with Major League Soccer, In a franchise business, it needs to be explained in a single entity league, which is now trying their best to create pathways for players. And when MLS Next Pro was introduced, 
after MLS Next to create the pathway or to link it all together, to complete the chain, as they said. This is not really a bad idea. The problem is, is our country is too damn big. And when the country is as large as it is, there are going to be so many markets that are too far away from an MLS franchise to really benefit from the money that's being invested into the academy systems. I, for one, I lived it. I lived it here in Las Vegas. I had an owner of Las Vegas Lights who had no interest whatsoever in investing in the future. He wanted to know how much money he was going to make on Saturday night and how he could cut his losses in the event that he didn't hit his number. That's no way to run a business, but that's the way it's done. You know, what's the way it was done here in Las Vegas. It's no longer in Las Vegas. The Las Vegas franchise, Las Vegas Lights, now belongs to LAFC. What that means is, even though it says Las Vegas Lights on the, on the, the standings and that the games are actually played in Las Vegas, that is not a Las Vegas team. That is the LAFC 2, if you will. Now, I don't, because of the contracts that exist, I'm assuming that's why they're still in this engagement. However, LAFC will eventually go the MLS next route. I just don't think they have a stadium for that team to play in yet. It's hard to find a stadium in Los Angeles. Unless you build one, or unless you meet the specifications of spending the money to commandeer someone else's stadium. Because it made sense, the Las Vegas Lights, for example, still exist here, but they are not the Las Vegas Lights. They are paid for, the staffing, the travel, the players, everything is paid for by LAFC, not Brett Lashbrook and the Las Vegas Lights. Ironically, his job now is just to turn the lights on and off. I would argue that he's turning them off. But my point is, is that he had no interest in the academy system. Now, MLS is coming to Las Vegas. We're all aware of that. That will be Wes Edens and that'll be the, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, who happens to also be very friendly, if not very good friends with Steve Sisolak, who is the governor of this state, which is going to cut a lot of red tape when they when they start to try and move the pieces around to really get the ball rolling, which is why I believe that Las Vegas, different than other markets, will expedite the process far faster than the Minnesotas of the world, for example, or in the St. Louis's, because there's just a lot of red tape that's going to get cut. Now, the man at the top has a friend, and that's just how politics works sometimes, which is great. It's great for the city of Las Vegas. And, and the city of Las Vegas is growing more and more as a, a sports town. And when they come, they will have the idea that they're going to tap into their community and build an academy as a feeder system to MLS Next Pro, which will be a feeder system to their eventual end product, which is the team that will be the 30th franchise in Major League Soccer. In essence, what I'm saying is they're going to do it right. Now, what about all the other markets? What about the kid in, in some town that just happens to be 78 miles away from the, the closest MLS franchise. This country's too damn big. So what happens is the MLS next idea is put into markets like Las Vegas. And it's also put into markets like Phoenix, for example, or San Diego, which doesn't have the immediate pathway to a professional team. It is too far away from LA, for example, for those players to have an immediate connection to their professional club. The, the San Diego Loyal is there. And some of those players are now gravitating in that direction. And it's some great work being done right now by USL to create the academy systems within the USL 2 level, if you will, which goes to the USL 1, which goes to the USL Championship. The guys at USL are a little progressive. They're, they're trying to create that idea of, hey, if you can get it right on the field and you get it right in the community and you get, right, you get it right on the books, and your infrastructure is there to build a stadium, will allow you to 
to actually have the more traditional approach of pro- promotion relegation. Some people, and it's minimal investment, so it's it's not three hundred million that you're now you're playing in, in the division two. The one thing about MLS right now is that you cannot get relegated. It's why we saw what happened in San Jose this past weekend, where yeah, we haven't won a game out of eight. You know, well, well, we're just going to hire um, the guys that were running the, the the two team. There's no pressure on them to to really. Oh, we've got to stay in this league. We better get our act together. We got to figure out how to to find the right manager who's going to motivate this team to to start winning games now. Do do exactly what Newcastle had to do. Newcastle found themselves at the bottom of the table and it looked very dire. They made a coaching change and now they're sitting in the middle of the table and everybody's breathing easy. Yes, there was a big insertion of money. Yes, there was new ownership, but there wasn't the kind of big splash dollars that was actually getting the foundation of what that club is all about to get it back on track with the right people running it to get wins because they needed them because they certainly didn't want to play in the championship next year. But what I would say is when you're looking at the model of Europe or the model of any, anywhere but here. And the idea now that they're trying to expound on, on, on the idea of, oh, no one's ever going to get relegated. We're going to actually team up with Mexico and make sure that the big brand names stay in the league no matter what, because they believe that people will just come and see that. How does that benefit the player? I said, I mentioned in a previous podcast that my son is now 13 years old. He's being pursued to be a part of an academy. Now, I've, I've mentioned this before and, and other players that you know very well, like Christian Pulisic or, or, or uh, Gio Reyna, whose parents understand that this is, this is not going to be the right pathway for their child. I'm understanding that right now as a father. Now, forget what I, what I know of as a professional or I played, I've been on television, I've been a coach. I've worked with the national team. I know enough. Now it's my son. This is my own blood. And he's showing promise. And I have to make a decision of what is the best pathway for him if he really wants to pursue this. And it seems that he has that in his heart, that that's what he wants to do. Now, here's what happens in the United States. And this is going to, and this is not, take my son out of this. And I've told this story before and I'll tell it again. I had a friend who assumed that his son, because he was told by all the coaches up in the Bay Area, let's just say, it's up North, that his son was very good. He assumed that he would be a shoe-in if he decided to go to Europe and just take part in a team at the age of 17. And under the circumstances with the, with, with the way that it works with FIFA and, and now that you have to have a job, if the parents just can't move there, if the kid doesn't have an, a, a European passport, which Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna did. And I believe Weston McKinney was a, was a military brat, so there was something there too. And most of the kids that make it over there before the age of 18, by law, need to have some sort of affiliation or a, or a European pass. But my friend did not. He assumed that because a bunch of coaches had told him that his son was very good, that the next step should be to go to Europe. So he got on a plane. He, had, he was going to proceed, didn't commit all the way to the job. But he showed up at their front door. I'll leave the club out of it. He said, this is my son, presented his son, said he's here to, to join your team. And they said, great. Well, he's going to do a tryout. He does the tryout. It takes a week long. He said, we'll let you know at the end of the week. And at the end of the week, basically the coach sat down with the, with the player and, the, and the, the father and said, so here's a list of some other teams that you might want to try out for, but he certainly is not good enough for this team. And the dad's, whoa, 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 what do you mean? He's not good enough. He's one of the best players in Northern California. Of course he's good enough. 
Maybe he just needs more time. I, I know I've told this story before, but it's irrelevant. So I'm telling it again. So if you're hearing it for the second time, I apologize. However, sits down with the kid and the dad and says, starts to have that awkward moment where he eventually says, well, I mean, the other day, you know, your son was actually in the, in the locker room and he was, we have a piano in there in, in that rec room and he was playing the piano. And he says, yeah, so he took piano lessons. He says, well, you know, you've just offered me $2,000 to coach your team, to coach your kid because you feel that maybe he needs more time to acclimate. We don't do that here. So keep your money. But the last time I checked, a piano cost about $2,000. Why don't you go spend it on that? Have a nice day. Now, this was mind-blowing to this father who's been lied to all this time about how good his son is. We kept telling him over and over again, oh yeah, he's going to be a pro. He's going to be a pro. Um, did the check clear? Uh, we need to run your card again for that $1,000. Yeah, he's going to be a pro. He's going to be, just keep, keep coming to practice. Keep training hard. You're going to be fine. Let me explain this. When I, at the beginning of this, I said 80% of these kids aren't probably good enough to be pursuing a collegiate career and or a professional career. So what does that mean to the kid in the United States who is good enough, who is an asset in the sense that if he decided to make that jump, that Europe would be interested in his talent. He's just spent a year, two, three years playing against players who aren't good enough. So no wonder that he had a false sense of how good he was. And then when you integrate that child or that kid into a real professional environment where the, the let's just say they've, they thinned the herd a long time ago. They told these kids at the age of 13, 14, go do something else. And they're, and, they're, and they're rude about it. They're mean about it. Because guess what? Those kids aren't paying to be on that club. The club is financing their existence. And that's the flip. The industry of all these coaches who are profiting from the idea that they're lying to you about how they're going to make your kid good enough to make it to college so that they can make money. And then they lie to you again. And they say, oh, we're going to go to this tournament. Everybody's got to chip in another 800 bucks. Well, everybody's got to pay for the tournament. And now it's going to cost you 800 bucks to get in your car, plane, travel, in hotel, in a hotel that they mandate that you stay in on the pretense that there's going to be people there to watch your child that are going to be interested in taking them to college and offering a scholarship, which is going to somehow magically make all of the money that you just spent make sense. I'm living it right now with my 014. And I'm so proud to, to, to say that, yes, we, we were able to, to figure out a way to get these kids exposed enough and generate enough interest in the player that, that they were able to get scholarships and or find a college to go and play soccer at, but to pursue their, their dreams, which is great. Did they all get full ride scholarships? No. Are they going to pay to continue to play soccer? Is it going to facilitate? Is it a part of the experience? Yes, it is. Great. Great. But stop telling kids that they're going to be a pro someday just because you want to get paid, coaches. Just try to look in the mirror, man. What are you doing? And then, and then you have teams win national championships and not one of them goes to college. And then you just dismiss that group as if to say, thanks for helping me look good. I've got to, I got to go recruit the next set of dummies. And thus, the industry continues to churn. And then you try to ask yourself, how does this equate to the big picture? How does this really, I mean, when we're trying to become a better soccer nation, and I, I, do, I, I do truly believe that the, the, the entities in charge here, whether that be the Federation, Major League Soccer, USL, 
NISA, all of them are doing their best to try and figure out that pathway and to get the, the to steal, well, not to steal, but to take the, the talent and say, well, you don't belong anymore. You've, you've outgrown this group and now we're going to take you into a real environment. And we're going we're gonna to show you what a real environment is. And we're going to prepare you for the next steps. Because you're a pro now. And those environments, as long as we engage in a league that winning doesn't matter, are not adequate either. And we look at, we look at the players that have, that have helped us in the past and that are going to help us in the future. And the environments that they are in right now. And we see, we see some players who are really showing a lot of promise and they're not being rewarded. They're not being brought into their national team. They're not getting that opportunity to, to, to take part in the national team program. Some of them are, some of them aren't. But the national team programs are, are two weeks here, two weeks there. They're, they're, they don't have the ability. They have to, they have to release you back to your environments and hope that your environments are doing it right. When those environments are doing it wrong, we're not producing anything. And I hate to pick on him again, but this is when a Ricardo Pepe happens. Is he, is he ever going to be up to speed over there at Augsburg? Maybe. But the, the idea that we had done enough stateside to prepare him through the national team and FC Dallas, that he was going to be ready for that environment, that's an outright lie. That's delusional. And that's unfair. To put a huge price tag on a kid just to sell the narrative that, that these players are good is unfair to the player. Because he went there and he had to endure the worst feeling of all is that I can't do this. I'm not good enough. This is too fast for me. Why is everybody mad at me? I've never felt this kind of pressure. People come to practice and yell at me. We call the renters. Renters are, are, are retired people who have nothing better to do. Just go to their local soccer team with a with a coffee and a cigarette and yell at you every time you miss the ball or you miss a shot. And it's a shock to the system when you're an American kid that's used to hey you get him next time. Hey, can you sign something for my son? Oh, he's a really a big fan. Yeah, you guys lost six nil this weekend. That's okay. You'll get him next time. No. Lose 6-0 over there, miss a few chances, they're throwing batteries at you. Is that right? No, but that's a reality. I mean, how many, how many times are some of our, you know, our boys that aren't prepared got to stare at the wall at night trying to go to sleep going, how did I get here? How do I get better? Who do I blame? It's really, it's really a unique scenario. Because you know, the industry that we've created in the United States is saying that, well, we have so much talent. We have so much talent. In the years, I would argue between 17, 18, and 19, when those kids are trying to make a decision whether they want to go to college or not, whether they're going to be a pro or not, is where this all goes wrong. They are, it's inca we're incapable of providing the environment that's going to help the player grow. Even though you think that 18 years old playing an MLS side at practice is competitive enough. And even if you do well there, there's got to be a next step. 
know, there's a lot of people that won't say this out loud, but but it's it's become a scenario where it is, is, is the level of Major League Soccer is is getting better and better and better. I'd love to see a middle tier team be integrated into a European league where the rules are different. The pay program is different. It's not a guaranteed contract anymore. You're playing for money. You're playing to win. That accountability alone, you miss, your teammates are mad because they lost money because you didn't do your job. And that kind of accountability makes you better. And you can do one of two things at that, that point. You just bury your head in the sand and pretend that didn't happen or man up and say, I got to get better. You miss a couple of chances in Major League Soccer, you lose a game. Who lost? Nobody lost any money. It's 73,000 people show up to Charlotte's first game. They lost 1-0. Then everybody went home happy because isn't this great to have a team in our hometown? It's just a very different mentality. And until it changes, nothing will change. Now, I know this was a short one today um, and, and I, I hope you appreciate that, but I had to get that off my chest. I'm living it with my son. I'm living it with a team that I manage, um, which, which I told them yesterday, I will no longer be with them coming because of this, getting into the summer months. My academy is, is starting to take full flight and I, I've got to dedicate my time to that. Disappointed in the sense that, that you know, I wasn't able to finish the, finish the plan for them um, to take them all the way to the, uh, to the finish line. Uh, and we had that conversation. But I, I don't think at this point, if the idea is at this age and at this stage of the game to try to still impress somebody to get into college, it's not going to happen. If it hasn't happened by now, it's not going to happen. But that's not what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you, you got to go to nationals. All the coaches are there. I got news for you. I went out to a, I'm not going to say where the tournament was. There was a sign-up list for the 147 college coaches that were supposed to be there. And when four names made the list and everybody else was playing golf and taking advantage of their expense account, because they've already selected their players. Or they send their assistant. And you see them, you see them there with a notebook and you say, hey, what school are you from? I'm, I'm actually the second assistant. I'm just here to take some, uh, to, let's just take some notes. It's not a real opportunity anymore. And sometimes it's an outright lie. And it's sad because these players have, and these parents have, have invested a lot more and they, they need a payoff. And they should have been told years ago. Might want to shut that down. Either way, that's it for today. Thank you for tuning in. However you found me, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I don't care. I'm glad that you made me a part of your day. I'm sorry if this was a, uh, a Debbie Downer, but um, it's, it's something I had to get off my chest. But in the meantime, continue to be good people. Be nice to each other. Just be kind. That's the number one thing you need to do. Just be kind today. Make somebody else's day a little bit better because you decided to. Pretty simple. It's a good way to go. Either way, that's it for now. We'll hear you next time.